For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And we're still locked down, but we're holding up so well that our latest readout video, based on our Wednesday wake-up newsletter, focuses on the fascinating topic of decimal places. Okay, it might not be everyone's favorite memory from math class, if they even have such a thing. But it is very important because of a recent news story involving decimals that illustrates the crucial role of common sense in protecting us from climate nonsense. Recently, various news outlets pounced on the claim that 2020 had just tied 2016 for the hottest year ever at exactly, precisely 1.25 degrees centigrade warmer than pre-industrial times. And that ought to raise the suspicions of anyone with an elementary understanding of statistics because it's ridiculous. In the first place, it requires that pre-industrial times saw temperatures so steady that a given recent year could be warmer than the whole era by this exact amount to two decimal places, which also depends on the claim that we know exactly how warm it was back then, that we have to know to within a hundredth of a degree how warm it was in 1840, which we obviously don't. And indeed, that we have to know how warm it is today to two decimal places. That is to say that somebody somewhere somehow measured the temperature of the entire Earth in 2016 and in 2020 in enough places at enough times to specify it to a hundredth of a degree. Which is like a clock striking 13. It calls into question all that came before and all that follows. In a laboratory, yes, it's possible to measure a small homogeneous sample to a very precise temperature using modern equipment. But who measured the temperature at any given outdoor location to that degree of exactness, let alone did it everywhere on Earth, on land and sea? It just won't do. Now, people may be tempted to say decimal schmesimal. The point is the planet was like super hot, man. But how do you know how hot it was unless you took real, reliable, believable measurements? And if so, where and when did you or somebody else take them? As we noted last week, the Earth is a complicated object, exhibiting complicated patterns of temperature change on any scale you imagine. For instance, Spain just set an all-time record low temperature, accompanied by massive lethal snowstorms. And again, if you're tempted to say Spain schmain, it's just one reasonably small country, we're talking the future of mankind on Earth here, well, China also experienced a massive cold spell with lethal snowfalls. So, this 1.25 degrees Celsius is meant to be an average of very different measurements in very different places over the whole year. But the total surface of the Earth, the land and sea area, is about 500 million square kilometers and 70% of its water. So again, who supposedly took, let's say, 500 million evenly spaced measurements every day? And even if they had, they'd still only be sampling about one square centimeter, the size of the thermometer, per square kilometer of the surface, and for one minute out of 1,440 minutes each day. So you've got one ten billionth of the area, and less than one one thousandth of the time, which multiplies together to about one trillionth of the actual temperatures you could read being read. And we're meant to believe that having done that, with no accurate way of telling how the temperature might vary during the day in these different places, we're told we know it to two decimal places and it's a tie. 
And going back to pre-industrial times is even sillier because nobody was measuring most of it at all back then. And where they were, they were doing it with old-fashioned, highly imprecise thermometers under largely unsupervised and frankly probably somewhat chaotic conditions. Another point, if that's not enough for you, is that some of the warming since pre-industrial times must have been natural because the Earth has always had these cycles of warming and cooling, which means the amount that we're actually trying to isolate as human-caused is going to be less than 1.25 degrees. And indeed, the whole change might well lie within the margin of error. And that means anyone who repeated that 1.25 degrees centigrade a tie including these assertions about pre-industrial times, just struck 13, or if you prefer, struck out. That whole media frenzy amounted to saying, here's a scary number that's also silly, but never mind that it's silly, just be scared. And the answer is, oh, we are, but not of your results. We're scared of basing policy on journalistic hype wrapped around mathematical gibberish. Now, speaking of past temperatures, in the newsletter we also note a new study saying that the sudden cooling in the second decade of the 14th century, the Dantean anomaly accompanied by really bad weather, seems to have been preceded by a sudden warming 10 years earlier that was at least continental in scope. And if this finding is true, it throws a lot of alarmism into the flames because if tree ring proxy studies missed this spike, they could easily have missed many other rapid natural temperature increases and drops. And if climate has been this unstable for any time that you care to look at, then sober scientists have to take into account that recent changes might just be typical of natural processes that have always operated. And now, three cheers for tapeworms. Oh dear, that made the decimals look popular. But we note that there's a new global parasite conservation plan based on the legitimate insight that disgusting things are as important to ecosystems as cute ones. But stories about it unfortunately throw in the spurious claim that parasites, quote, are subject to increasing stress from habitat loss, climate change, and co-extinctions, end quote. And the problem here is, as we've noted before, all effects of warming are meant to be bad. So as long as we loathed parasites, then warming was going to help them. But as soon as we like them, warming is going to harm them. And that's just not science. Nor is denying the obvious. And, you know, it's all fun and games trying to get rid of the medieval warm period, or at least demote it to a regional, quote, anomaly, end quote. But what about the Holocene climatic optimum? It was global. It was natural. It was a warm period where the Sahara was lush. And it now seems the Alps were ice-free. So where's the climate catastrophe? Where's the locked-in runaway greenhouse effect? Where, in fact, is the role of CO2 in driving temperature changes? Or, indeed, where is the lack of snows of yesteryear? Which we bring up because predictions of climate disaster are notoriously unreliable or elusive. Remember that infamous 2007 quote, children just aren't going to know what snow is, end quote. That seems to have been deleted, although, regrettably for the deleters, uh, the internet tends to archive things. But it was just replaced by a British Met Office warning that, quote, snow may not settle in most of UK by end of century, study suggests, end quote. So, uh, does that mean we're meant to wait until 2100 to decide if warming is real? No, of course not. Verdict first, evidence later. Even if the British Met Office website warns Britons, as it does to, quote, prepare a winter kit for your car, end quote, because of all that non-existent snow and stuff. And why is snow going to vanish? Well, when the apocalypse sounds an uncertain trumpet, 
we generally suspect they're playing from the RCP 8.5 song sheet. And sure enough, they are. But everyone who understands the matter knows that this RCP 8.5 scenario is not plausible or credible, let alone probable. Which is precisely why it generates embarrassingly bad predictions that must then be chucked into the internet equivalent of the alley when nobody's looking. Maybe not looking because they're too busy shoveling snow, including in Britain, where there's apparently been no warming in autumn since 1995. <laughs> but just you wait 60 years, then you'll see. Pay no attention to that snow outside the curtain. There's lots more in the newsletter, including the Los Angeles Times apparently celebrating adult climate alarmism having provoked a mental health crisis among children, which doesn't seem to us to be cause for self-satisfaction. Especially as, as we note in our ongoing targeting of that scientists say meme by quoting actual science, that scientists say there's no reason to think greenhouse gases are increasing Atlantic hurricanes or that they're going to. And also, as usual, there are two items from CO2Science.org, one about long-term records for rain in the Peruvian Andes that shows a lot of variation and nothing unusual recently, and the other, a helping of eggplant. Yuck. I mean, fascinating. You see, it seems that eggplants like CO2, which isn't surprising because it's plant food, but the scientists went and proved it in detail because that's what scientists do while activists wave their arms and yell. If you like sober analysis better than the yelling, then as always, please share our work, follow us on social media and like us, and contribute to help us keep producing our videos, our newsletter, and our blog posts. For the Climate Discussion Texas, I'm John Robson.